Welcome to the sermon podcast for Restoration Nazarene Church, where we encourage you to be the gospel today so that you can share the gospel tomorrow. Where, O oh death, is your sting? The, I don't know about you, but the music this morning, those lyrics hit me pretty hard. And it's, it's something that I, I think about of today we celebrate Easter to remember what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. And it's a celebration. It's not a, a time of mourning, but a time of celebration. And, and today is Easter, but, but you know, I, I don't know that I want to talk about Jesus today. Uh, instead, I think we should turn to a story in the Old Testament that has nothing to do with Easter because everybody talks about Easter on Easter, and I want to be different. And all of you are giving me the craziest, like, <laughs> what is this? Some of you are packing your bags, it looks like, or shuffling around like you are getting ready to go. And, and I'm, I'm only joking. We're going to talk about the story of Jesus. But what I want you to do is I want you to think about that feeling when I said that we weren't going to do that because you had expected and anticipated to talk about the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning. And then I, I in a way, took that away from you and said, now we're going to do something different. And you all kind of looked, what, what is he talking about? You had that moment of, of this is unexpected and this isn't where I was going. And I want you to, to hold on to that because to us, Easter is, is about Jesus. It's about the resurrection. To us, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the risen Savior that died on the cross for our sins. To us today, we look at the cross as a sign of hope. But this is not at all what people would have been going through 2,000 years ago when Jesus did die on the cross. The disciples expected something completely different to happen. They did not expect Jesus to die. Even though Jesus told them, I am going to die, they did not believe it. They didn't know that he was going to die. Nobody expected Jesus to die. And I mean, if you think about it, if Jesus really is God as he claimed to be, how can God be killed? Right? He can't. If, if he really is God, God cannot die. And if Jesus really is the Messiah, the Messiah, the Savior that came to, to lead the Jewish people to, to victory, to freedom, to peace against at that time, which was the Roman rule, then, then how could Jesus hanging on a cross and dying, how could he now be the Messiah that he claimed to be that everybody talked about him being? All of this was completely unexpected. I mean, can you imagine what would be going through your minds if, if you back up in time, if you were the disciples, the followers of Jesus, can you imagine the emotions you would have on the Friday where, where he was arrested the night before and now you're trying to figure out where is he? He's on trial somewhere. You can't go see him. You don't know what's going on. You're terrified for your life of what's gonna happen to you next. He then hangs on a cross and you see your savior, this person that you have devoted your life to for three years, all of a sudden he dies. And now it, it's over. 
Jesus himself on the cross says it is finished. They, they, they see this and it's, it's over. What do they do now? And then imagine Saturday, their Sabbath. They are they're mourning the loss of Jesus. They are scared of what could happen to them. All of this was unexpected and, and expectations, they can be good and healthy for us today. Having good expectations can be good and healthy for us, but, but they can also be dangerous and they can lead to unhappiness and disappointed. Like imagine if you went to a KFC to order chicken and they were out of chicken, right? That happened to Amy and I not too long ago. I mean, KFC that serves chicken was out of chicken. We expected to order chicken. I mean, at that point, what do you order? What, what all did they have left? And how do you run out of your only thing that you offer at KFC? Or, or think about that the, the we, we know what to expect. We know how long it takes to travel from point A to point B. We have that expectation. We have it down to the second of how long it's going to take us to travel from here to here. But, but then what if there is traffic? What if there's construction? What if there's an accident? What if you get stuck behind a slow driver? We quickly get angry because now it's taking longer than we had expected. Or what about if you go to a fancy restaurant and you expect good tasting food and fantastic service, but then you get there and you realize the effects of the economy means that they are understaffed, overworked, inexperienced, and so your food comes out burnt. The, the waitress comes to your table twice, so you have no drinks the entire time. It's, it's unexpected. That was us two weeks ago when we went to this fancy restaurant that we thought was fancy, and that's what we found because our expectations was that it was going to be something good, and, and we were disappointed. And sometimes we set these expectations on things that can quickly lead to us being disappointed. And there's a line, did anybody see the most recent Spider-Man movie? There, a few of you did. There, there was a line in there that, that said, if you expect disappointment, you will never be disappointed. And it's, it's a rather depressing statement, but at the same time, it's kind of true. If you expect something that's going to be disappointed, if your expectations are low, how can it get any worse than that? Expect disappointment and you won't be disappointed. And as we look at the story of Jesus's death and resurrection this morning, I want you to keep this in your mind. Expectations and how they were, these things were unexpected. And there's two major expectations that I want to point out. First was that Jesus was not supposed to die. Again, these are the expectations of all the people, not on God and Jesus. They knew what was going to come. But the disciples, the people, they did not expect Jesus to die. He claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be the one that they had prophesied about to deliver them from the nations, to deliver them from, at that time, their nation of, of Rome that was overthrowing them. Their expectation and understanding is that God cannot die. And if Jesus claims to be God, then how can he die? And it's, it's evident in the way that people mocked Jesus while he was hanging on the cross. We're in Matthew, Matthew's gospel, starting in chapter 27. 
verse 39. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, him being Jesus, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. If you are the son of God, in the same way the chief priests and teachers of the law and elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. They were mocking him. Because again, these were not the expectations of the Messiah, of the King, of God. And therefore, if he's hanging on a cross, how can the Jewish leaders believe that, that what he claims to be saying, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, that he is God, how can those things be true? They all mocked him. All of those that passed him by mocked him. Even the criminals that were to his left and right hanging on a cross mocked him as well. And Jesus in this moment seems powerless on the cross despite his supposed identity. If he is the son of God and the king of Israel, they said, then he should come down from the cross and save himself. And he can't, if he can't save himself, they said, then let God save him on his behalf. They said, verse 40, come down from the cross if you are the son of God. And now this statement echoes something at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. Matthew's gospel tells the story of Jesus, starting from the beginning to the end. And at the beginning in chapter 4, there, there's this story about how Jesus, he, he, after he received the Holy Spirit, he was led into the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan himself. And Satan echoed the exact same thing. If you are the son of God, then do this. Turn the stone into bread. Save yourself. Jump off the cliff and let God save you. Satan is echoing the exact same things. So in a way, if we want to think about it this way, Jesus started his ministry with Satan saying, if you truly are the son of God, prove it. And he ends his ministry hanging on the cross with those around him saying, if you are the son of God, prove it. And we will believe, they say. But Jesus doesn't. He doesn't save himself. He chooses to die. He chooses to die for the sake of us, for the people. And he does all of that for a reason. Verse 46. These are Jesus' final words before he dies. It says about three in the afternoon. Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that language, we, we read that and we say, how has God forsaken him? How has God abandoned and left him? Because we know that God was there with him. But what Jesus is doing is he is quoting a psalm. He is telling his people what is happening. These are his final words and he wants everybody to understand what's going on. So he quotes a psalm. He quotes Psalm 22 
verse 1, which is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Psalm 22 is a prophecy about what would happen. Meaning Jesus was trying to tell everybody what was going to happen. And the reason that I bring this up is because Matthew, who wrote Matthew's gospel, he is recording this for us by directly quoting Psalms. On the screen, you'll see Matthew 27, 39 says, hurled insults at him, shaking their heads, which is identical to Psalm 22, verse 7. All those, all who see me mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. It was prophesied that this would happen. And Jesus said, hey, look, this is what's happening right now. Matthew 27, 43 says, he trusts in God, let God rescue him, they say. And Psalm 22, verse 8 It says, he trusts in the Lord. They say, let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. This psalm was written well before Jesus existed. This was the prophecy of what was going to happen to the Messiah, that he was going to be hung on a cross. He was going to die. He was going to suffer in this way. Nobody understood and expected it. And Jesus himself says in his final breath, his final moments, he says, in a way, everybody turn to Psalm 22 in your Bible, and you can see what's about to happen, why this is happening. He quotes Psalm 22. What the Jewish authorities at that time were doing is is they were trying to mock Jesus. But this mockery turns into a a confession of Jesus' true identity. They tried to mock him and make fun of him, but all they did was further prove who Jesus is and was. And then Jesus died on a cross. Again, for them, him breathing out his last breath and dying, they say, who who is this guy that claimed to be God? He just died. But for Matthew, this is proof that Jesus is who he says he is. And again, it comes back to expectation. Matthew obviously wrote this after the fact. He knows the truth. He knows the story. And he can write about the the correct expectation found in the prophecy of of Scripture. He knows this. He has that that, that advantage of them. But, But those that were present especially the devout Jews. And I have to imagine that, that there may have been some that were kind of on the line of, I don't really know. I mean, he, he says these things and it's, it's obviously true by his miracles, but yet, but yet our teachers, they, they disagree. So where do I stand? I imagine that their expectations were shattered in that moment. And then, and then I, I also have to wonder if maybe, maybe, Their expectations were not so much about about Jesus dying or not dying, but maybe their expectations were more about what they desired God to do for them. Meaning they expected the Messiah to save them. They didn't really care so much about what God was going to do. What they cared about was them being saved. And I wonder if if this is what's going on where where. Rather than actually wanting God to do what God is planning to do, they wanted God to do what was best for them. And I wonder how often do we do the exact same thing? 
How often do we place an expectation on God that isn't fair? How often do we expect God to answer all of our prayers? But yet he doesn't answer all of our prayers. We've talked before how God didn't answer all of Jesus's prayers. We, we expect God to heal us, but yet God doesn't always heal us. These expectations that we place on God, which are not fair, but we place on God anyway, can lead to disappointment and distrust. We, we begin to ask ourselves, if, if God really claims to be who he says he is, then God, you better heal me right now. Prove it to me that you are who you say you are. Prove it to me that you are real. We say, if God really is real, if God is this God of love, then why do all these bad things happen in the world? Why do all these bad things happen to me? But Jesus died on the cross that day. And I have to imagine that the disciples' expectations were shattered. I have to imagine that they were disappointed. Maybe even angry for spending their three years of their life following this. And now this is what has come to it. And the, his death, I have to imagine, caused fears in the disciples by Peter's reaction of denying Jesus. But Jesus' death also caused fear in the Jewish leaders. Matthew 27, starting in verse 62. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees, these are Jewish leaders, went to Pilate. Pilate is the Roman leader. Sir, they said, we, we remember that while he, being Jesus, was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. His last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate answered, take a guard. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. They were afraid. Their expectation was that if Jesus had deceived people with his claim of being a Messiah for so long already, then surely this deception will continue and, and the disciples would steal his body, making these false claims now seem true. They were afraid because of their expectations and so they sealed the tomb. They locked it down as much as physically possible. They, they sealed it with a Roman seal. They had guards in front of it. There was absolutely no way that anybody was going to be able to roll this stone away and steal the body. Their expectation now was that Jesus was dead and he would stay dead and stay in the tomb. But we know that doesn't happen. Chapter 28 of Matthew, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. 
His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Again, Matthew placed such a strong emphasis on how secure this tomb was. And how great of a concern it would be that somebody would steal the body, but that could not stop God. On the third day, the woman head to the tomb. And this is one of those times where, like the Superman quote, that, that they were expecting mourning. They were expecting disappointment. It says that they, they were trying to also on the way there, they were going to figure out how are we even going to move the tomb to get in there. In the first place, they didn't know about the Roman seal at that time. But this disappointing expectation actually led to a good surprise, something pleasant. The woman arrived and experienced something they could have never expected. The tomb was opened by an angel and an earthquake. And this is a happy surprise, but also a terrifying one. And again, it comes back to our expectations. We usually cannot control the outcomes of things that happen in life, right? We cannot control the outcomes of what is going to happen. Sometimes we can, but usually we can't. We cannot control it. What we can control is our expectation or hope of what will happen, and we can control our response to whatever happens. For example, I, I have this here, and, and Sabrina cheated earlier, and she looked inside already. Um, I have a can of dog food. I, I bought a can of dog food yesterday. We were at Walmart looking for... Easter clothes, and that's a whole other story. You can talk to Amy about that later. But we were at Walmart, and so I picked up a can of dog food. And of course, the girls were like, why are you getting dog food? Because we don't have a dog. And so I grabbed this can of dog food. And of course, Sabrina said, this is Old Roy, and, and you don't feed this to any dog, apparently. Um, I had no idea. Again, I don't have a dog, but apparently this is not good. But it was cheap. And it's T-bone flavor. And I like T-bone. That's my favorite type of, of steak. And, and, you know, if I were to open this can of dog food and I didn't want to splash everywhere. And if I were to take a spoon and if I were to eat this dog food that, that it's apparently flavored like T-bone steak, I, I, you know, I wonder what would happen. I, I, can't, ex I can't control what it's going to taste like. Oh, yes, you can, you can question my sanity, yes. But what I can control is my expectation of how it will taste. And I can control my reaction to how it will taste. 
This is what we tell our girls all the time. Of If you decide you're not going to like it before you even try it, then you're not going to like it. But if you decide that you will like it and you're open to trying it, then it will actually be good. And now I chose the T-bone because, I mean... T-bone steak. Who, who doesn't like T-bone steak? You are, you are getting a video of this. Here I go. I mean, it doesn't even smell like T-bone. Like, but dogs eat it, right? Like, if a dog can eat it, why, why can't I? No, I, I can't control how it tastes. What I, what I can control was my expectation of how it would taste and my reaction to it. Should I do another bite? Now I bet <clears throat> it's not horrible. But I bet, I bet my breath smells horrible. Don't come talk to me afterwards. But, but see, it's not actually dog food. It's, it's a can of chili. It's a can of, of hormel chili. And I did actually buy a can of dog food. But apparently I did the right thing and I threw that can in the trash. And took the label and taped it to it. And, and I guess I... I may have lied to you, so maybe I need to seek forgiveness and, and say, please accept my apology for, for lying to you. But our expectations can often be deceiving and lead us to do different things. I told you it was dog food, and your expectation was, oh, that is going to be disgusting. He's not going to do it. He's going to do it. I am going to question his sanity, and yet he still does it. The woman had an expectation to arrive at a closed tomb. They expected to have to figure out how to move it out of the way. They expected to, to mourn over the death of Jesus to be able, or they, they, they were trying to figure out how they were even going to prepare his body. I mean, imagine how difficult that would be. Those that have lost somebody know exactly how difficult it is to prepare the body for that. But then they encounter an angel and then Jesus himself and then, again, expectations here. These women, <clears throat> women become the first ones to tell the story that Jesus rose from the dead. <clears throat> the story continues. Again, expectations. Verse 11. While the women were out on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests, again, these are Jewish leaders, had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were sleeping. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money, the bribe, and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Imagine the expectations of the Jewish leaders. Number one, Jesus was not the Messiah. 
He died on the cross. Yay, our expectations were right. He is not the Messiah. But then they're like, okay, well, but, but maybe they're going to steal his body. So let's fortify and secure this tomb. All of a sudden, his body is gone. And now they're like, oh, no. There's only two explanations. He either was who he said he was and rose from the dead, or the disciples stole the body. So let's bribe all the soldiers, those that were on guard. Let's offer them money like they did to Judas to betray Jesus in the first place, which worked. So obviously money works. They gave them more money and said, just tell this lie and spread it as far as you can. And, and if you think about this, the respected and trusted Jewish leaders, as high up as they could go, they were all saying that this was false, that the disciples stole the body, Jesus did not raise from the dead. But then a couple of women, and again, keep in mind that women in this time were not respected, were not trusted at all. A couple of women, all of a sudden, they start saying that Jesus did rise from the dead. In today's world, we would have assumed that the woman's story was, was fake news, right? On social media, fake news, not trustworthy and unproven. There was no way to prove that this happened. They would have trusted or we would trust the Jewish leaders who came out all over social media and say, no, this is true. Let me tell you why this was fake news. They're just a bunch of women. They don't know what they're talking about. But yeah, it's not fake it is true, and many people believed. And I want you to think about how unexpected this entire story is. First, Jesus is the Messiah, and he should not have died, but then he died. Second, the tomb was sealed. The body had no way to leave, but it is opened, and his body leaves. Third, Jesus was dead. Everybody proved that Jesus was, in fact, dead. There is no way that he could physically come back to life, but yet he does. And fourth, the news came from women. That should have stopped right there. Nobody should have believed what these women had said, but yet it spread like wildfire. And it went everywhere and all these people started to believe. Nothing about this story is expected. And Jesus wasn't where he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be dead in the tomb, but he wasn't there. And the question then is, is where is he? Where was he? And the answer is that, that he was with the people. And we're going to talk more about that next week after the kids musical, but, but Jesus was not where he was supposed to be. He was not in the tomb. Instead, he was with the people. He was in the world. In the same way, we, we often expect that, that we find Jesus in the church, that we find Jesus on Sunday morning, but that's not completely true. That's not the only place we can expect to find him because Jesus is everywhere. And come next week to talk more about what that looks like. And here's my final question. My final point with all of this. What is your expectation about Jesus? If, if, you, if your expectation or your thought about Jesus is that he was a man, a great teacher that lived 2,000 years ago, that died on the cross, 
so that we have a way to inherit the kingdom of God, then that is what the outcome of your life is going to be. That's how you're going to be shaped. It's going to be the thought about something happened in the past for us today, and that's it. We don't have to think too much more about Jesus other than thank him for what he did 2,000 years ago and then move on with our life. But if your expectation, if your thought of Jesus is that he was and is the Messiah, that he was and is God himself, that he was on the cross, but he is no longer on the cross, but yet he is with us here today to this very day, then your outcome of life, the way that you live is vastly different. The first expectation causes us to look at the cross as a reminder of what happened in the past, to thank Jesus and move on with our life knowing that we're going to inherit the kingdom because of what he did. And therefore, it doesn't really matter what we do. Once we say, yes, we believe in Jesus, we call that good and move on. The second expectation, however, causes us to look at the cross and see that Jesus is not on it anymore, that he rose from the dead, that he lives today, that he died so that we may have life to its fullest, not someday in the future, not when we die and go to heaven, not then will we inherit the kingdom of God, but that we would inherit the kingdom of God now, here and now through the sending of the Holy Spirit that came after he died. And those two things may sound similar, but they are vastly different because it means that we live our life completely different one way we live our lives as, as humans with this God that, that is off, far off somewhere watching us like a fishbowl that we can talk to when we need him, but we go on life on our own without worrying about it too much. And someday we'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll see him on the judgment throne and we'll seek forgiveness and all will be good. The other way sees that God is here with us right now walking with us, wanting more out of our lives than just us going about our lives in the economy and in society that we do. And so my question is, what is your expectation of Jesus this morning? Is your expectation that you simply came here because it's Easter and that's just what you do? Or is your expectation that you came here today to experience Jesus? I want to offer you a chance this morning to receive that grace and that gift. And it doesn't matter if this is the first time you've received it or, or you've received this a bajillion times. I want us all to receive the gift. I want us all to experience the risen Savior this morning. And here's how we're going to do it. First, we're going to pray together. We're going to confess our sins. We're going to surrender to Jesus. And second, we're going to receive communion together. And all are welcome to receive communion. As Sabrina passes those out, I want us to take just a moment a moment of, of silence. A moment to reflect on what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus is doing, 
and what we hope Jesus will do in the future. And now I want us to pray together. And again, this prayer is, is a, a prayer of surrender. A prayer of putting our faith and trust in Jesus. And again, it doesn't matter if we have done this already a hundred times before. It's part of a practice to say, Jesus, we surrender to you. We give up on these areas of our life. It doesn't matter if that's where we are or if this is first time of saying, all right, Jesus, I want to experience you on a new level. My expectations have been wrong, so show me something new. Regardless, I want you this morning to surrender to Jesus. Pray with me. Father, this morning we gather around an empty cross because your son, Jesus Christ, is no longer hanging from it dead, but alive and risen. We've experienced your presence in this world. And Father, this morning we surrender our lives to you. We confess the areas that, that we have sinned. We, we confess the things that we have done that we shouldn't have done. We confess the things that we should have done but didn't. Father, we offer those to you and we seek your forgiveness. We seek your pardon. Father, this morning we, we pray over these communion elements that you would bless them, that your grace may abound in us through them. Father, may we receive this with open hearts to experience you. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. We're reminded that, that this week, Thursday of this week, Jesus gathered his disciples it's Passover time. Again, unexpected, Jesus got down and he washed their feet. All of their feet, including Judas, who would betray him. Completely unexpected. They said, Master, what are you doing? And he says, I'm no longer a master, but a friend. I'm showing you how we are to love one another. And after washing their dirty, stinky feet... They had a meal together, and after eating, he took the bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, broken for you. Eat in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out and shed for you. Drink in remembrance of me. Father, we remember your sacrifice. Jesus, rem remember your body broken for us and your blood shed for us. In this moment, we ask for your presence to fill us, for your Holy Spirit to come inside of us, to empower us, for us to experience your grace like never before.
Father, we ask that as we leave this place, that we are sent out as a people on a mission to tell the world about you. Just as the women were, were told to go and tell, we will leave this place and we will go and tell that you are not dead, but you are risen, that you are alive here today. Father, I ask that you bless these people, that your face would shine upon them this week, that you give them opportunities to be and share this week. Father, we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to continue the conversation and connect with you. Comment, like, subscribe, follow us on the socials at rnaschurch or our website, rnaz.church.